Hello and welcome to the Dudes Abide podcast and this is actually going to be a two-part well not a two-part well we're going to record another episode tonight but uh you're going to get a double dose of the dudes abide this week ryan anderson is joining right here instead of at another location i know this might be weird anderson how are you i am doing good are you doing good tonight oh yeah well this is day we're usually recording at i night. know this is this is odd this is the sun is up when right. we're talking to her <laughs> but we have a special guest this is our first guest for this podcast and that is frank bill frank how are you doing pretty good how are you guys doing we doing are good, good. <laughs> so those of you who don't know frank just had a book release not too long ago and that is called the savage isn't that right frank yes yes it'll be my third book i guess my third book second novel and i had a book of short stories that came out uh back in 2011 i believe awesome yeah, so uh, I know Ryan's got a list of stuff we need to cover, so let's uh, let's get to it. Ryan, go ahead. Um, I'll just start off with the normal get-to-know-you questions. So how did you get started in writing? Uh, let's see here. I've told this story a thousand times. Basically, <laughs> I work a night shift uh, in a factory, and uh, my wife and I went to see a movie called Fight Club. And in the, the uh, credits of Fight Club, it was said it was based on a book by Chuck Palahniuk. And I end up digging the movie, end up uh, going to order his book, Fight Club, which at that time I should have put two and two together. It was going to be sold out everywhere I went, so I had to order it. But I found some of his other books on the shelf at uh, local Barnes & Noble. I think it was Invisible Monsters and Survivor, and I uh, ended up reading both those in about, I don't know, a week, something like that. I just devoured them and then got the other book. And from there, I just kind of started reading a lot uh, um, on night shift and uh decided I was going to teach myself how to write because I really liked uh, basically the way he told stories. It was like a book of one-liners. I thought that it was interesting to me because it reminded me of pretty much the way that uh, you would act when you're around your friends, you know, coming up with puns and putting each other down or just uh, having a, you know, a conversation, on the other hand, about things, uh, you know, your uh, your opinion, basically, and breaking things down. So, uh, And the other thing was after that, you know, because Amazon was starting to become kind of big at the time, uh, it's around 1999 or 2000, I believe. You know, you'd, you'd order a book, and it would tell you if you like that book, it recommend other authors. And then I got into all the Southern writers, which kind of reminded me more of like Larry Brown, Tom Franklin, William Gay. Uh, all those guys reminded me of uh, just kind of my upbringing. So, in the storytelling I was growing up, you know, I grew up around. I just had never really put two and two together that you could kind of create stories off of. Or that's how stories were created, basically. You know, that's where you're pulling from. Because uh, growing up, I read a lot of comic books and a lot of nonfiction about uh, anything from, uh, uh, I guess, uh, Asian spirituality, like Taoism and Buddhism, because I studied martial arts. And then I uh, read a lot about serial killers, because that was interesting to me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, you know, I kind of got interested in fiction around like, about 1999 to 2000. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we're, we're kind of similar on that aspect of uh, night shift factory workers. Me yeah, and yeah. Ryan, we a lot, both, of, a lot uh, of time. Yeah, <laughs> twelve-hour <laughs> shifts. It, there's yeah, a lot. We're getting that can ready go to on. hit a, a six-day work week here. Probably yeah. sixty hours in. Yeah, wow. back to back actually. Yeah, back yeah. to back sixty-hour work weeks coming up ahead of us. I usually do thirty-six and forty-eight, and you get the sure your three and four days off a week, which helps you know with writing and travel and all that. So yeah. But, at so, the time, you know, I didn't know I was going to become an 
you know, I don't want to say established, but I didn't know I was going to be where I'm at today, put it that way, you know. So that kind of goes to my next question. How did you go from being just a guy teaching yourself how to write to actually getting published, getting, I think some of your first ones were like in Playboy and GQ, if I remember right? Uh, actually, the first three short stories that are in the book of short stories, Crimes in Southern Indiana, um, that was placed in there between my publisher uh, slash edit and my editor and looking for some place to, you know, put your work to get to some get some attention because you're a new writer. Uh, and that was the, the Hill Clan stories, which was in the in Playboy. Um, before that, everything was pretty much either in college journals or online at different uh, different outlets that were just kind of sorted through that looked like they were established, you know, that were, uh, I don't know what you'd say, well-read, that, you know, that my stuff would actually fit, you know, it would be overlooked, yeah. that kind of thing. I guess quality is what I'm looking for, things like thug lit, plots with guns. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get hooked up with a lot of those people until just, I mean, really it's the internet, you know, social media, getting yeah. in with uh, other other people who are writing similar stuff and uh, getting to be really good friends with guys like uh, Keith Rawson, uh, Anthony Neil Smith, um, and uh, Jediah Ayers. And uh, Jed, uh, he and Scott Phillips, uh, Scott had written The Ice Harvest, and uh, they invited me down for, I think, one of their very first Newark to bars in St. Louis. And this is before I was... I mean, not, not that I'm anybody now, but I didn't really, you know, I didn't really know a whole lot of people other than just people I just I named and uh, got invited down to read. It's my first time reading and uh, it, people, we all just kind of clicked together and became really good friends and Scott kind of uh, put me in touch with some agents and one of them happened to be Stacia Decker who ended up signing me uh, later on down the road. So, uh, um, and it all kind of escalated from there. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So uh, this next kind of kind of goes in with what uh, Timmy and I are kind of dealing with. He's kind of got the whole podcast, and he does wrestling on the side. And yeah, he's looking I, at I, I, I never I, we never discussed this during our emails, but I <laughs> I'm a professional wrestler on the side. Oh, okay, yeah, so. cool. Yeah, so he cool. wrestles. Yeah. I've had an interest in writing for a long time, and I've kind of taken some creative writing stuff. But we both, like I said earlier, we work a lot of hours, and it appears like you work a lot of hours. So how do you balance? that like uh you know personal life demands and work demands with like your writing career how do you find time to actually do this creative outlet uh basically i keep a notebook or well, i've had a couple of different leather bound journals over the years my wife bought me my first one my second one uh, was a gift for uh, one of my cousin one of my cousins when he had gotten married and then when the first book came out my wife had bought me one that keeps every time i write a book it gets taken back to the the leather shop that she bought it and uh the title of the book gets inscribed in the back. So uh, I keep that with journals, basically. I keep the journal in the leather-bound uh, uh, cover or whatever, and I yeah. keep my notes in there uh, whenever, wherever I'm at. And then sometimes I carry a uh, black moleskin in my back pocket. Um, I've got kind of lazy with that over the past couple of years just because I got tired of carrying some in my back pocket all the time. But uh, it's basically just compiling notes and thoughts and ideas wherever I'm at and whatever I'm doing. And then when I have time to sit down at a computer or my laptop um putting it all together you know because you can i find you can work storylines out a whole lot better when you're not sitting at a desk it's it's when you're out and about around things and especially if you're yeah. out doing research and seeing countryside or uh individual places uh depending on where it's at like like the last uh, the second story i had in playboy was the disgruntled americans um 
I spent a lot of time in the Walmart parking lot whenever the Brinks truck would show up just to watch how everybody reacted, how people went yeah. in, went out, and how they, they set everything up and watch traffic in the parking lot, how people were parking, that kind of thing, and just taking notes on it over and over again, you know. Kind of, I guess, the same way as if you were actually going to rob the place or carry on what goes yeah. into the story, so yeah. Right. Do you kind of uh, get as accurate as possible. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Do you, like, with now technology, you know, you kept your journals and stuff like that. Do you find yourself just, like, using the notes portion of the of your iPhone or anything like that? No, I've, I've tried to do some of that stuff. The only thing I've ever really used my iPhone for was, uh, and I still do from time to time on different stories, um, is if I'm not doing research and I'm taking notes, I also record somebody. If I'm speaking to somebody, record them. Like, I've got, my, I've got a really good friend who's a cop who I, I, I pretty much just... <laughs> he's like a, a wealth of knowledge and I'm just always constantly asking him questions when I can't I can't text him or we're out riding along you know it's just that's what the iPhone or my phone's always been used for just recording the conversations or just texting questions back and forth more than anything else so um, when you start out on a book do you write it out like a uh, longhand and then transfer it to the computer or do you just take your notes and start both. with the computer both it's, uh, pretty much everything starts off longhand and I go from there yeah, I always bring the notes back to the computer to break them down because really edit or right. I, I self edit the entire time because really when you write something down, you want to get ready to try to type it in the computer. I'm already re editing it as I'm writing it down. So yeah. So outside of the writing, what are some of the other things you kind of do to take it easy and relax when you're not working? I a power lift or strength train about. I, was doing it three days a week, and I got more into uh, long-distance running, so I, I power lift like twice a week, and then I run uh, four or five days a week on trails and road, and then uh, my wife and I walk quite a bit together also, so it's just extra miles. I mean, it's, it's getting up, stretching, that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't really ever relax. Uh, I think the most time, <laughs> really, my wife and I sit and watch a few hours of TV every now and then when we're off, you know, in the evenings, and that's, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, which I, I don't get very much, you know, like, you know, we work five days and then I wrestle on a Saturday. Right. And then, you know, Sunday, like, I'm I'm done. <laughs> like, I have no time to do, like, you know, I have, I don't know if you have children or not, but no. I have a, I have a, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have a five-year-old and a three-month-old. Wow. And I'm married, so it's like, you know, yeah. Sundays, are, I'm trying to catch up on everything and then. You know, we record this at like 2 a.m. and I'm editing that. And, sure. You know, yeah. it's. I have a nine-year-old sitting right across from me right now drinking hot chocolate. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all it's right, a grind. So, <laughs> yes, it is. It's it's hard being a parent and trying to do other things. You know, we're all uh, we we're we're in Evansville right now, but you know, I live you know Rockport, Indiana, which is you know I don't know if you've ever visited that part of Indiana before. Uh, I've been down to Evansville, yeah. Actually, uh, yeah, I've been down there a few times. There was a few years back uh, when I first started writing. Right, really, I got the publisher. Really, there was a, a Jeet Kune Do school I visited down there. Uh, when me yeah. and my, my buddy's a cop and went down and uh, watched some training and stuff. So, yeah. So, can you tell us a little bit about your new novel? Uh, the Savage. It's, uh, it's really steeped in masculinity. Um, it's got some newer characters, you know. The, pretty much the main character in this one is a, a young man called Van Dorn, and it's, it does a lot with masculinity, father and son um, issues, and uh, survival. You know, it's pretty much about survivalism uh, and all its 
all its candor, restraint, all whatever you want to call it. But uh, it deals with that, and uh, it's kind of like the aftermath of Donnie Brook, but it's also like the falling apart of, uh, I guess you could call it the world, but I pretty much focus on the Midwest. It's all the chaos that's going on around them. Yeah. And it's, it, I mean, and, it, and it essentially it could be a, I guess you could call a, I don't know what the word would be. Uh, people have called it dystopian. I never really thought about that, but uh, um, it's it, kind of it, it really does. For me, it deals with masculinity, and it's all the things that we have lost as people. You know, the things we've lost from our ancestors that people don't know how to do anymore, and all these skills. I'm about two thirds of the way through it right now, and I was kind of that's something I wrote down here in my notes. Is it was the theme I got through the whole book so far is like a loss of old ways. Right, something like you keep. You keep going back to during the writing. Yeah, you know, because you know, when these you guys don't remember how to hunt or fish or take care of themselves. Sure, and when you get into the other characters like uh, Chainsaw Angus, who's in it, you even get to pick up on the mm-hmm. traditions he picks up from Fu, who's a guy who ends up teaching him in uh, the old uh, yeah. Asian ways of martial arts, and even Kodo, who's one of the other characters, uh, who's actually Manny's son. Manny was the yeah. dog handler at Donnybrook, and you pick up on a lot of things they learn from. They're, they're people, more or less, you know. Angus, of course, you don't pick up on his father, but you pick up on food, so it's kind of like a father figure, in a sense. Yeah. And you pick up on all these things that people don't necessarily get anymore, uh, in between all the carnage and everything else that's going on. Um, you know, it, it deals with that, but it also deals with power struggle. Um, when people used to be able to count on each other as a group, or like a, a tribe of people, you know. Not worrying about everybody from the outside, but trying to take care of their, their own and what happens whenever you put somebody in charge is kind of like Lord of the Flies. Everything falls apart, you know. Somebody no longer wants to help everybody. They just want to empower everybody. Or I should say empower. They want to they want to rule everybody, you know. They want it their way or no way. Um, but, yeah, in a nutshell, it's, 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 it's masculinity and survivalism. And, uh, like you said, the old ways of what we've lost as a culture. Awesome. So, I... I was kind of interested on some of the themes. I kind of the themes on how you wrote the novel and stuff. I mean, I pick up a lot of Polonic in your writing style, but I was wondering maybe even like Cormac McCarthy's The Road and stuff was that kind of an influence for this novel? Uh, a lot of people have asked that. Not, not really. I'm trying to think. I think when I honestly, when I was writing this, one of the things I'd probably read in McCarthy's because I I probably reread it every year. There's like there's two books I always reread every year, and that's Joe by Larry Brown. And uh, Cart McCarthy's, uh, uh, um, where the uh, the son, I'm trying to think what the name of it is now. That's horrible when you can't remember something. Uh, uh, his novel about the uh, scalping of the, about uh, the, yeah, go ahead, hit it. About you, the what? About the scalping and the, the scalps and things they do with the, the judge. Oh, uh, The Blood Meridian. Blood Meridian, there you go. Yes, probably, that is a very disturbing novel. It's probably <laughs> two of my, my favorite books. Just it's a very good novel. It's because not for the weak of heart. The, the characterizations and the storytelling and just the way that they're written, you know. Yeah. But those those two always have a big influence on my writing, yeah. Blood Meridian. I kept thinking of The, the Sun That Dies in the West, The Red Sun, because it had two different names. <laughs> yeah, it was a evening or the Blood... Uh, blood red in the evening of the west or something like that right right so a couple other things i noticed especially with your writing i really noticed it when i've been reading this new novel 
is uh, your use of language with the dialogue of the characters. It's, it's kind of unusual for what you would read very often. I mean, is that kind of just based off of people well, you've grown up with? Or? When I sat down to write it, I kept thinking of like Old Testament values, so I kind of wrote it in like an Old Testament style language, um, which I, I really don't want to write the same all the time. You know, some of the next few books that I've written are kind of more experimental in that sense too. They're, they're written differently than what this is written. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I just really like uh, the use of language and what you can really do with it, you know, from an experimental It, it stands standpoint. out. The dialogue really stands out in your, your writing. Yeah. Something yeah, I picked up on really quick. I it's a lot the, different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, you have a really fast pace with your stories too, which I actually appreciate. I don't really like the dragon on kind of stories. So it's yeah, I have an issue with that. It's probably the reason why I never read a lot of fiction as a kid. Every time I'd pick something up, I'm like, man, this is really slow. And everybody would be like, oh, it gets really good, like 150 pages in. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like trying to read. I've read some of the, like, Dostoevsky and people like that, but it is hard to get through it, to get to the the meat of the story. And I exactly. like that kind of fast pace, getting to it. Yeah. It's kind of an American, I guess, way of reading. Right. So... Um, how I found you initially, I was on Amazon, kind of like you talked earlier, and, it, and I was going through books, and they'd give you them recommendations. And I seen this title, uh, Crimes in Southern Indiana, pop up. You know, and I'm, we're here in Southern Indiana. I was like, I'm from Southern Indiana. That's kind of interesting. So I click on it, and I read some of the reviews, and the reviews look pretty good. So I, I was like, I mean, I'll check that out. And I throw it in my wish list with all 500 other books that I probably would ever get read before I uh, die and I go back to it and I take it you know I take a look at it later and I decide to read it because I, I kind of dig short stories as well and I really liked it and it was I don't know something about the you know these towns these are all these towns I've you know I've been to I've traveled through you talk about Orange County a lot you know with right French Lick you know I've been to Marengo Cave another times and been to English and it's just I don't know it, it was it's interesting to see an author from this area actually get a something published out there and published about this area you don't see a real lot you might see like a little bit with Kurt Vonnegut talking about Indiana and his stories or Indianapolis but you never see southern Indiana it's just it's kind of nice to see yeah yeah it's a lot different that's what a lot of people say of course everybody doesn't like my portrayal of southern Indiana but it it uh, is a southern Indiana I've never experienced (laughs) all my life living here but well you know it's too it's fiction but you know when I wrote crimes in southern Indiana even in even Donnybrook uh, a lot of the the issues that were going on now kind of escalated into something else you know and that was methamphetamine at the time was really just scourging the area but it was scourging the Midwest yeah it's the problem over here yeah, and and now the other thing now that you've got is prescription drugs like opana and yeah. it's it's really in heroin you know because it yep. became cheaper to get so my wife were. was working at a uh, pain clinic in the past couple of years and i hear just crazy stories coming oh, out it's of there. Hor- it's horrible you know it's pretty much decimated austin indiana it's just it's yeah. horrible so i don't know we kind of do with our podcast we kind of do uh a lot of, we take a lot of funny stories or we find in the news. It's true stories we find in the news. And I know you, some of your your stories can, can be kind of grim and, you know, gritty. But you seem to have a little bit of humor sprinkled in and stuff. I don't know if you have any kind of personal stories that you've included into your writing. You know, maybe something funny you could include with us right now. Uh, you would probably have to pick one and I could probably tell you where it came from. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the humorous thing I probably could tell you is, 
story I've told a thousand times and I've never written about it. It's whenever my, my cousin and I went mailboxing as kids and got chased down by, uh, actually it wasn't my cousin. We were waiting on my cousin. It was me and another guy. We were just driving this old beat up Pinto and we were out mailboxing one night and uh, it hit a mailbox, drove down the road and we thought, my cousin was supposed to meet us and for whatever reason we thought he was coming behind us flashing his lights on us on a country back road and happened to be with a guy we just knocked the shit out of his mailbox and he started cussing us out, wanting to know if we want to go to downtown to the county county police station or whatever and we're like oh yeah whatever man and you know he, of course we're kind of scared too but the guy gets out and I look over and he's butt naked with a pair of hush puppy shoes on and I'm like holy shit <laughs> this guy's dick and balls hanging in the window I'm like yeah let's, let's go downtown buddy but uh, yeah I was probably about 17 or 18 <laughs> then the, the then the the funny thing is is probably a month or two later uh, I find out well my dad says something to me about it, but that, that was the funny part, was the guy ended up taking our keys. He goes back home and puts some clothes on and comes back. And uh, he called the other kid's uh, parents, and he never got my name. And whenever he sit down and he, he's looking in the car, he asked for my name, and I tell him, he's like, holy shit. He said, you're Frank Bill's boy? I said, yeah. He goes, god damn. He said, what are you all out doing this shit for? He goes, I know your dad. We all used to run around together and drinking and partying. And I'm like... So I didn't get in any trouble, and the other kid did because his parents got called, and the guy knew my dad. So. <laughs> but a couple months later, my dad had asked me about it, and uh, he's like, I ran into, I'm not going to mention the guy's name, I ran into so-and-so. He goes, what the hell were you all out doing that for? He goes, that guy's a crazy son of a bitch. He goes, I used to run around and drink whiskey with him. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I said, I don't know, Dad. It's just, you know, being a kid. <laughs> Would you say a lot, of, a lot of characters you have are kind of based off of folks you grew up with or experienced in life? Yeah, yeah, I, I get asked that a lot. Yeah, a lot of the stuff, I mean, it, it comes from something real, uh, real place, real story, real time, and then I just kind of flip-flop it around, turn it upside down, change the names, and uh, make it a little bit more grim and action-packed and interesting than maybe what it really is, yeah. But that's why it's fiction, too, so. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had anyone actually, you know, recall a story, you know, recall something, maybe an element you've added in there and kind of, or you might, you have changed the name or something, but ever kind of recollect on that? Uh, I've had comments from family members and stuff before. They'll just say, you know, you should really watch what you write about. <laughs> but, you know. Like you know some, yeah. I've kind of noticed that too, like with this podcast, you know, it's just me and ryan and we have another guy and like i'll have some like family members listen or something like that and you know they don't know how to take every you know take it with a grain of salt you know exactly you know some stuff is just for entertainment purposes it stretched the truth a little bit yeah you might stretch the truth or anything like that or even with my wrestling or anything like that like they'll just be like are you that kind of no no it's just for you know right it's they take it to they take it to heart too much you know? oh, they take it personal yeah <laughs> is there anything off limits when you write you feel uh no and if there is my editor usually tell me i mean there's, <laughs> there's, there's been things that have gotten edited out just because you're you know a lot of things i write are really over the top so yeah they kind of let you know hey you need to stay in these boundaries a little bit maybe cut this or cut that you know awesome and how was i i couldn't imagine like having to you know, you go through an editor and things like that. How is that process? Like, you know, could that just be like, you know? It is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> if you, you know, because your editors are pretty much fans of your work. Yeah. And they're just, they're trying to make it as, as good as possible. And it's kind of mm-hmm. nice to have that extra shoulder to lean on sometimes when you're having a problem trying to figure right. something out or whether you're given enough or, or not enough, you know. 
Uh, right. I enjoy that. I like that editing process because you can sit down and really tear everything apart and really get to the, the meat of what you're trying to say. Because, you know, yeah. to, when I write, I don't really think about themes or, uh, you know, it's just a conflict on what's going on and trying to reach reach that goal and whatever that goal is, you know, trying to figure it out on the page. Yeah. You feel like the editing process has made you a better writer? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you, you're going over it and over it and over it again. You're trying to make it as... You're trying to get that sheen on it, you know, put that really good edge to it. Yeah. Well, uh, we can, uh, well, if you, so you've been touring a lot with this book release, right? Uh, with, with this book, I've only been, actually, I just had a book release party, and then uh, here in a couple of weeks, I've got a couple places I've got to go, and then next year is really when traveling will probably kick off, because we're in the holidays right now, and Publishing yeah. kind of shuts down about the second week of December, you know. And then yeah. uh, right now it's just a lot of places that are either reading and reviewing it, uh, doing some different interviews here and there, and then, you know, starting in January we'll figure out more of a game plan as far as book festivals and things of that nature. Usually how it'll, it'll end up. It just depends right. on the time of year the book's released, you know. Right. So is there any, like, is there a... A preferred like you know with social media we try to keep this podcast within social media and things like that is there a good place to follow you for like you know any signings or anything like that uh yeah either on uh i'm on instagram quite a bit or facebook i usually post stuff on facebook quite a bit twitter i don't really use too much anymore just got to be i don't know just got kind of burnt out on it i think yeah, my, my I, account got hacked a while back and had to change all i had to change all my stuff and mess with it I, I check it maybe once a week or every two weeks yeah I, I just don't I can't get in you know Twitter's preferred by a lot of per, you know people and things like that I just can't get into it I, I can't either it's <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Facebook either but it's a little more accessible to everybody I just yeah. you get tired of listening to everybody get on a soapbox and complain about everything or tell you they're eating a jelly donut or they're going to the bathroom <laughs> I mean it's just silly shit you know yeah, I, but, I, but I normally just post things in there and have to do either with writing or other writers that I that I dig, you know, I'll post their stuff whenever they have a book or something like that out or a review, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's how you connect with people today though. I mean you have to you have yeah, to be part of it. I don't really care for it either. But. It's a thousand of your fake friends and only five of them you're actually friends with. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's how you get the word out. It's, it is. It is. It's sad, but yeah it is. Yeah. So just Instagram at Frank Bill? Uh you could probably just type my name in and it should be on there somewhere. I'm not even... Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out how to use the damn thing, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, with wrestling and stuff like that, I have to... I balance, I balance from account to account. Yeah, I've know, got it. It's under uh, House of Grit, actually. House of Grit on Instagram? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And yeah. where... Uh, you can find your new book, The Savage, on... I guess, in, is it in stores, too, as well? Like Yeah, uh, it's, it's everywhere. You know, outlets... Yeah, Barnes it's and Noble. Brick, yeah, brick and mortar stores, Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Uh, I picked it up off of Amazon the day it was uh, released, so it's out there okay, for everyone cool. to listen to or I, read. I, I appreciate that. And there's a uh, there should be an audio version coming pretty soon too. I believe awesome. it's getting ready to be released. Yeah, I might get into that. With yeah. you know, Aunt Ryan was telling me about your writing and things like that, and you know, with my schedule, I just don't, I can't find the time sometimes. But you know, I might I might check your new. Uh, your new book out the savage it sounds kind of like my style you know i'm i appreciate that yeah i'm you know we're you know factory workers and you know i'm sure that translates a lot into your 
writing and things like that and just you know yeah all americans yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it does and, uh, so you you have the uh website the house of grit you uh i guess you update that every now and then is that somewhere where people can go and find out more about your work and what you got coming up in terms of appearances and such actually i've changed to a different uh different blog it's a wordpress and of course i hardly ever keep it up to date uh <laughs> If you go to Twitter, it's got the new one in my uh, little, uh, let's see here. It's called uh, privationblog.wordpress.com. It's a P-R-I-V-A-T-I-O-N blog.wordpress.com. And right. it's just one of those things I just don't keep up to date. I actually need yeah. to look at getting a website or something, but... Uh, FSG Originals has a website for us, but they're getting ready to merge it with uh, another line of books they're doing. It's pretty much the same or similar. It's uh, the uh, awesome. M- MCD, uh, MCDFSG.com, I believe. They're they're putting together a website for all of us to merge us all together. So, But you can pull up FSG Originals and still find me on there. Awesome. Well, uh, we definitely thank you. Row. Oh, you're welcome. You're oh welcome. yeah, I mean, you <laughs> are know. the very first guest we've ever had. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, you know, we're uh, we'll uh, do an outro here in a minute. But if you could stay on for a minute, you know, sure. we'll just uh, shoot the shit for a minute. But uh, yeah, thanks again to Frank Bill. You can catch his book at any store, really. It sounds like or Amazon. It's called The Savage. Yes. Awesome. Thanks, Frank. Hey, appreciate it, guys. <laughs>